I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for another mega recap quadruple header here with Benji. As always, it's stinking hot and I've got it. Listen, I care about your ears. I've locked myself in a 40-degree oven with all the doors shut, even though the microphone blocks out all the noise, just so you don't have any road noise or the horses going past. So you're welcome. Uh, we're going to do Swiss, Slovenia, Balwaza, and Occitanie quadruple, as I said. We'll focus more on Swiss and Slovenia because the other two are pretty simple stages. Uh, but before we get into that, mention our show partner, Zwift. If you need a little extra motivation to get some extra virtual elevation, the likes of which we saw like 4,000 plus in Swiss today. Zwift has the cask, protone, mission. All you need to do is sign up to the mission on Zwift and climb 2,500 meters between today or yesterday rather and 30th of June. So you've got the best part of two weeks for your chance to win a cask, protone, icon as worn by the Ineos Grenadiers as well as unlock the helmet for your Zwift avatar. So head to Zwift.com to find out more and start your free seven-day trial if you haven't signed up already. But first, Tour de Suisse. I'm not going to read the profile yet. COVID. And there's a discussion to be had here, Benji, in Tour de Suisse about whether the race should have proceeded because this morning there was so much news about teams pulling out and riders testing positive for COVID. We had Tom Pidcock out, Vlas of the race leader out, but Ineos and Bora both stayed here. Bahrain, the whole team was pulled uh, Jumbo Visma pulled yesterday. Who else am I missing? Louis Vavica for quick Alpecin, step. Yep. Bahrain, both those teams out as well. And knowing that there's so many riders out, you're starting to question, well, okay, how many riders do we have left? 194, stuff like that. And from a, a starting of like 156, I think, at the start of this race, that's already quite a lot of riders that were out of this race at the uh, start of today's stage. And we were starting to question whether the race would actually be ridden. A statement was going to be made by the uh, race director, according to the Alpacin Twitter account. And eventually we got that in the form of an interview by that race director saying that, the CPA, so all the rider representatives came together, spoke about it together with the chief medical officer, I think, of the UCI, and they agreed on starting every single one of those to actually start the stage. Are you surprised by that? Nope, because, and I think that was an interview with Olivia Sen. So first of all, the organizers obviously want the race to continue. Uh, they got the last stage, I think, finishes in Liechtenstein. I don't think it's a small chunk of change for that stage to go ahead the organizers so they obviously and separate to that of course they want their event to go ahead and then you've got israel benji they are in the midst of the relegation battle full sang in great form he's not tested positive for COVID. he's going into the leader's jersey because vlasov's out with a huge chunk of points available of course they want to continue thomas really why not oh you you want them to be cancelled it yeah what if israel says oh we want the race to be stopped it's not safe enough and they yeah. get the points that it currently There's no guarantee. Oh, okay. There's no guarantee the UCI gives out the points. Now, Raul mentioned this at UA Tour, maybe 2020. They did dish out the points. I'm not sure that's correct. I think it should be 
pro rata the points per race day uh, or there should be none at all. For example, if they'd stopped the race today and uh, Crone was in fourth on GC, but he's not going to finish there, that would have been a huge windfall for Lotto. So I think, Benji, Israel still wanted to continue because even for just one day, so Crone would get dropped because they're fighting yeah. with Lotto Sudal. Maybe they're not even thinking about it. Maybe Full Sang just wants to win the race uh, <laughs> and I'm the only one thinking about this. Uh, but I have to say the COVID stuff, we thought was behind us. Thomas even said he's like, I thought, you know, we all thought it was behind us going into Swiss. This is like two weeks exactly to the day before the TDF kicks off. We've got Vlasov, who was like third, fourth, fifth favorite sort of region, getting COVID. Uh, we've got Yumbo with Coos and Co. I'm not, we don't know who tested positive for COVID, but it, his preparation race, he's had to leave. It's, it really sucks. And, I don't know what to do. And obviously, like, if riders test positive for COVID, like, even if it's a cold, like, they shouldn't be continuing, you know, whatever you think of it. So they have to pull out. It's interesting to see some teams keep their riders in who have tested, like, Remco staying in for quick step. Are you surprised he started today with a rider on the team testing positive for COVID and his bad performance yesterday, which is kind of inexplicable because... Like, it's not like he got dropped in the last five guys. He got dropped from a group of 60. Well, perhaps the team knows something more about him. It could also have been the warmth that really affected him as a rider. So it's a bit of a discussion that is per rider, per team basis. Some teams decide that they want to get all their riders out of this race and try and get it into a safer uh, haven. Try and make sure that the riders that are still not infected or at least not tested positive, that they could indeed avoid doing that in the coming days because on paper every single day that these riders now spend in this race from this point onwards to the swiss next stage and so forth is an extra day that they can get tested positive or can be infected to test positive afterwards and the closer you do that towards the tour de france for the riders that are planning to go to the tour de france the more that will be troublesome for that race but i think when it comes to remco it's it's a bit meh because my issue with it is more that he's a youngster that is being used in these races and he's not really showing it at the moment in this race. And perhaps because of that, it would be more ideal to pull him out and focus on the next goal instead of trying to force something in the last few days. And that's not just because of COVID. That's because of the extremely hot temperatures, which have to be factored in as well. Like, I still don't... I'm not sure it's how safe it is to be racing in these temperatures. Uh, anyway... He's in like 15th on GC, but I'm surprised Ineos stayed. Like Martinez, Yates is out with po uh, positive with COVID. Martinez looking not great. Thomas is here. If Martinez and Thomas go down with COVID in the next two days, like Tour de France, not Luke looking Luke Blab. Yeah, well, I, obviously, I already said he should be TDF leader. Shout out a boy, Luke Plapp, but... No one wants to listen. Anyway, we'll get on to the stage recap. That's it, it was, But that was the news of the day. And when you hear about the stage recap, you realize why that really was the discussion point. 181 Ks from Locarno to Muzal uh, with two major climbs, big boys. Nerfenden Pass, 13.6 Ks to 8%. Absolutely nothing happened on it. Descent and then a long valley of 50 plus kilometers. And the Muzal, 17.7 Ks, 7.6%. Very, very steady. And I have to say, it the heat and I guess, I don't know, yeah, the heat and Ineos in the incumbency with Thomas having a virtual lead on GC because of the TT to come meant GC zero impact on this stage. Large break went with Champersant, Dens, Matthews, Pacher, Herrada, Masnada, Simmons, Tolman, 
and some other writers. Why do you think Matthews was there? Was that just practice simulating going for an intermediate sprint after a climb in the TDF? Could be the case, or they're actually trying to get, I don't know, do you get UCI points for grabbing the uh, points jersey here? Because that's exactly what he did by getting the intermediate sprint. He got enough points to get that intermediate uh, points jersey in general. And um, yeah, perhaps that's the reason I see behind it. But when it comes to the peloton, Israel controlling the gap at six minutes. And then we arrived at the final climb, basically, because like you mentioned, that middle climb really did nothing. Denz was the first rider to make a move together with Quentin by sharing that breakaway. And I feel like I was mainly looking at Sean Poussin to win this from the breakaway, because that's the kind of rider one that was at 20th stage at the Vuelta. I'd see that rider as the rider to do it here, but he was instantly dropped. But I was not worried. I thought, this man's going to take it at his own tempo. This is a 18-kilometer climb. It's all going to come together towards the end when it comes to Sean Poussin. He's going to destroy everybody. But hey, would that be the case? We'll see at the end. Simmons and Masnada, also in the breakaway, started bridging up towards Denz and Pacher. Pacher ended up dropping. And we basically have a situation where Masnada and Simmons and Denz are a three-man group up the road for a bit. And Masnada was not overly happy with that, right? He attacks so many times, uh, like at least 10. Trying to just He just attacked them over and over and over and over. He even attacked. Simmons was kind of done, and then he stopped. He didn't realize Simmons was done. Eventually, they dropped Simmons. Denz goes with him. He eventually cajoles Denz into pulling with him. Time gaps completely unstable. We had it went five minutes, three minutes, one fifty, back to five minutes, back to three fifty. We had no <laughs> idea which whether the break was going to win. So it was like, I mean, we talk about Italian time gaps, but maybe Swiss timekeeping is on the wane as well. Um, not what it used to be. And eventually they start finessing and stop. Masnada's attacked so many times. Shampoussin, Harada, and Simmons even comes back to Denz and Masnada. It then it's not too steep at the finish. Simmons returns, and just like he did in the Vuelta last year in a flat sprint, he decides to do a 35-second sprint and absolutely throws the stage, even though he could have sat on. He's probably he's got the best sprint in the group, maybe uh, just ahead of Denz. And uh, Denz gets on his wheels with Champassin. He also opens the door on both sides to either of them on a narrow finish, which I wouldn't open the door. I don't recommend closing it, but don't open it if you ha- don't have to. And Champassin, Denz easily overcome him. Shampoo's it's a slight right hand bend, and Denz. I thought Champassin won. It was visually just deceiving to the eye, but Denz nails him on the line. So a small group stream from the break on a mountaintop finish like this with the photo finish, probably not what the organizers expected. Uh, Nico Denz takes <laughs> takes the Swiss mountaintop finish win. I mean, yeah. I mean, did Champoussin stuff it, Benji? Or like, what else could he have done? I think Champoussin tried to launch early at the same time of Simmons for a bit, then sat up a bit, trying to follow Simmons, and then eventually came over again. I don't know. I think it was just a matter of perhaps the timing of like once millisecond or like probably a few more than one millisecond, but like a second later launching might have gotten them the victory here. But hey, that's something that you can't guess from a, from that position out. I think Champoussin did his best and eventually Denz was just better in today's stage but when it comes to the gc group behind nothing too special remco having trouble again though at the back dropping off the back of that group with about was it 3.5k to go or something and he didn't lose too much compared to yesterday i think on today's stage but i could be wrong at that actually because stefan kung was still in the group at the point that remco was uh still going by the way gc kung is it on or not because like this man was following let me look where he finished kung finished behind thomas 
Let me check. Only 40 seconds. They're going to need to put some more into him than that tomorrow. Like, that's not very much. Not enough to win. Thomas TT will probably be good. But I'm talking top three is on at Tour de Suisse with this stage finish, which is uh, ridiculous. I think the heat really nullified the stage today. Ineos have absolutely zero incentive to pace hard, and they didn't complete bluff pace. Tour de France 2020 pace on Montaigne, 2.0. I swear, it might have been five watts per kilo, maybe less, because Masnada was attacking in the break and losing no time for like 30 minutes, uh, and they didn't have that many riders. It was Van Baal just pacing backwards. Because, yeah, Thomas is going to beat full sang in the TT, so why do it? Israel took it up as uh, with Nalens. Even they couldn't do too much. So I think it's all on tomorrow. Uh, but the stage results, Denz, Champazat, Harada, Simmons, Masnada. Masnada going to be pretty disappointed with that, I think. Pasha, sixth, Talman, seventh. In terms of GC, as I said, one group of Thomas, Aguita, full sang, Groshart, and Apino. Pozza Vivo making it there too. More points for Intermarche. And I think Thomas did his patented last 500-meter seated attack. Iguita just closed him. Otherwise, there might have been two, three seconds to uh, Jakob Fulsang. In terms of GC, Fulsang is one second ahead of Thomas. Iguita's third on 10 seconds. So Bora aren't out of this. They attack with Groshana. He's on 34. Uh, Scheitland did get dropped badly. Oh, not badly today, but yeah. Um, Pinot? Should have waited for Stefan Kuhn. Oh, that's actually a fair point. Where is Pino on GC? Is he like completely out of it? Uh, I think he is after uh, yesterday's stage because he dropped a bit after Remco did. So he should be out He's of on GC. He's on 620. That's terrible. Oh. Team. That is actually, no, I'm not joking. That's really bad. What's he doing? The stage was gone like three minutes before. Why is he finishing in the GC? That's really bad. Like, even though it's it could be five or seven seconds between fourth and third. Um, so that's a bit disappointing. Maybe not selfishness, maybe just stupidity. Anyway, tomorrow's stage, another mountaintop finish. This one will be too, should be too hard for Kung. Um, maybe they don't believe in Kung GC. 197Ks, the uh, Lukmania pass, 29Ks, 5% to 2,000 descent rolling climbs and then up to Malbon in Liechtenstein 12.6k's at 8.7%. This is very like the Norway climb I think in that the first like there's a little pause in it. The first 8.5k's at 9.2%. Very very similar to that Norway climb. Extremely difficult. Um who have you got Benji? Like wouldn't what shouldn't Pino have lost time and then he can win this from the break because Ineos and Israel won't control the break again. Yeah, I think so as well. Astana tried to control the break, by the way, at some point today for Lutsenko, who then yeah. did a medium attack on the final climb. But when it comes to, like, tomorrow's stage, I'd see, like, you said it already multiple times. Ineos is in a position where Thomas is so well positioned in GC that he can even lose time on this mountain stage and still win this in GC. Uh, so they just need to play defensively. Fulsang arguably needs to gain time, but why would you control the break for that? There's no point in doing exactly. so. There's no... The valley is too large between the Lukmanir Pass and the final climb to actually do something with satellite riders and so forth. So no point in there as well. So no point to keep it close at all. And when it comes to the other teams, I really don't know what else I can see there. But I think this is a breakaway stage. And when it comes to who's winning it, Izagiri hasn't done shit all, all week. So Izagiri is going to win it. I think he's it might be unwell. I don't know. Something's wrong with uh, him. Possible, actually. Masnada's got to try again tomorrow uh, to make up for today. Although he he had the best legs on the climb, it just wasn't steep enough. 
I'm looking down. Israel got to put the pace on to drop Crone more to Benji. They got to put put some distance into him for points. Uh, that's what I would do. Pino is on six twenty. I reckon they would they let him in the break. It's an annoying distance. I'm not. I'm not sure they'll be too happy to let Pino in the break, taking back three four minutes. Um, so yeah, that's a problem for him. Who do you like for the GC group to actually be the best on that climb? A proper watts per kilo test for thirty minutes plus. Obviously, clearly GC Kung. Why are you asking? Like, it's clear that this man is transcending above any ability he's shown so far, and he's going to do it again. He's going to destroy everybody. But in reality, I think that, hmm, I think Thomas is going to do this from the GC group because, like, I had Vlasov yesterday. Vlasov ended up not starting the stage, but I bet you that he would have done well today if he did. But uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, tomorrow's stage, I feel like. Thomas can play defensively. He doesn't need to do much. The team of Israel also isn't strong enough compared to like the team of Ineos to destroy the team of Ineos completely. Martinez is showing relatively okay domestique form, but not leader form. So Martinez should be there after all the domestiques of the likes of uh, Fulsang are gone, right? He should be there. Yes, he should be. I'm not convinced of his shape. I think Agita will drop everyone in the GC group tomorrow. Um, Prate de Tivo, 2021, 35-minute watts per kilo test. After Pogaccia, he was 29 seconds behind, third on that stage. He's looking in good shape. Chase Thomas was just out of position and doing his characteristic wobble all over the place. In the finish, I like Agita to take time and... Bora should. They have to be aggressive because he's going to get smoked in the TT. And if they want to win this race, they need him to take a shitload of time. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, Tour de Suisse. Hopefully the stage goes ahead. Hopefully conditions cool down and it's a safe safe race to do uh, tomorrow. But otherwise in Slovenia, we had Tadej Pogacar just pretty much riding away from everybody <laughs> with Micah and his wheel on the Svetina climb, 5.2K, 7.7%. Uh, it's about 30K from the finish, just right away from Morich and Novak, and then a group formed behind with Morich and co. But the story of the stage, Mike was in the leader's jersey, was uh, the descent, technical descent. Well, it was reasonably technical descent, but it was wet, and there's a few hairpins, and we saw UAE, Micah and Pagacha, they were going slowly, cautiously initially, like cautiously, but still maintaining a decent gap. Then Pagacha, a couple of slides, and then a full lockup with the rear wheel fishtailing. And we see him turn around to Micah and go, shit tires. And then Micah turn, says to him, he's like, I cannot put, push anything through my back wheel. So they're literally going as trying to go as straight. And it's not a saturated descent. It's a little bit damp. Then another left-hand hairpin, and Pog just goes, fuck these tires on TV to Micah. <laughs> and they go so slow on the descent after that. Pog's like, I ain't crashing out, <laughs> out of the TDF today. Um, what did you, not just that, the tires, Benji, but did you sense frustration between Pogacha and Micah? Because Micah was an anchor for him. Yeah, Micah definitely was an anchor when it comes to Pogacar trying to make sure Micah doesn't drop here. But I think he was way more frustrated about the tires than he was about Micah necessarily, well, Pogacar having to wait for Micah there. I don't think that was the, the major issue here because it was just in every single corner that Pogacar was shouting at his tires. And we know that UAE has switched tire manufacturer or at least tire uh, partner in the last year to Pirelli tires. Does that have an influence on this? We don't know that. Yes. But that is my guess. <laughs> Fuck <Okay>. yes. 
Okay, go ahead. Well, I mean, we saw in uh, Paru Bay with the Trek men and women's teams, like they punctured the most across the weekend. I don't have the stats. I'm, I just made that up, but it felt like that to me across both races. And I don't remember Pogacar having these. He was he was cautious on the wet descents last year or Lombardi descent when he was in the lead. I put that down more to being cautious and he isn't like a top-level descender. He's a competent descender, but this was something different. This was like zero faith. And once you lose faith in the, in the, in the tyres, mentally, it's over on a descent like this. When we think about such situations, like, for example, when we were in Budapest, I saw the pink bike of Vanderpool for the time trial. He had unbranded tyres on there. And I'm questioning, like, a rider of the stature of Pogacar, can he not just ask for I'm a shocked. different unbranded tire set? I'm shocked, honestly. Like, if they if they do the first week on those, and <laughs> oh, good luck on the Arenberg stage. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Benji. I'm I'm actually shocked by it, but we'll see. They're not taking Almeida. They're using the different equipment. We'll see. Um, but yeah, big. It was like, oh, i got to finish the stage. They got caught by Nikola Conchi. He actually dropped Mohoric on this wet descent, caught up to them. That's how slowly they went, closed a minute gap on the flat. And then Micah and Pagacha were deciding who was going to pull. Eventually, it was going to be for Pagacha because on this last climb, 2K, 7%, Micah just couldn't hold on. And Pagacha's like, fine, I'll do it myself. Attacked, won the stage easily. Con- uh, Nikola, uh, what's his name? Nikola Conchi was on Gazprom and then was out of a team conchi uh he tried to hold on but then got dropped by micah pog winning by 11 seconds on micah also taking the gc lead from his teammate novak moving down to third micah in second so it's still the same podium pretty much just micah uh dropping down and i don't know it's it's kind of going to be one of those bittersweet wins where i think pagacha will be like i'm glad i won but not too happy with uh, how it all worked out. What about Micah's shape, Benji? Like, I don't know. I wasn't too impressed with his shape, to be honest. Well, I feel like I feel like it's pretty okay. Like, we can't know too much from a Tour of Slovenia race against riders that are not necessarily on the World Tour level, except for like Novak. Like, it's the only like climber that we could consider that could ride for a top twenty-five in GC probably at this race. So, uh, like at the Tour de France, for example. And even then, and when we look at Micah, he's having relative ease compared to that. But my issue here is that Micah getting dropped by Conchi on that final hill today, that's where I'm a bit like meh about. But in all honesty, I think we can't draw too many conclusions from this race in regards to Micah's form personally. Yeah, it'd be tough to, it'd be interesting to see if he'd have put on, if he's put under pressure, if he can make the group, you know, the last 10 guys in the tour this year. He was good last year, it's very consistent. He's the most important almost for Pagatra, especially when I forgot to mention here she's out with COVID. Is that right? Or no, it was here close contact of Steka Langen. Um, Steka Langen was the close contact of Bjerg, and okay. here she is also out in Tour de Suisse. So okay. in two races, they had a COVID case. Okay, and Ulysses, I think the whole of UAE might have been pulled uh, to yeah. the Swiss. So that's not good. Yeah, he or she, <laughs> two very important domestiques for Pogaccia. Um, So yeah, that's a problem for him. Uh, but in terms of tomorrow at Slovenia, it's a mountaintop finish and we look for Pogaccia to put on a show and win the stage again and extend his lead on GC. Uh, otherwise, at Route d'Occitanie, I said yesterday, 
extreme weather protocol doesn't apply for hot conditions. I'm still right. I'm still correct. Extreme weather <laughs> protocol wasn't applied. Read the fine print, all of you trying to be like, yeah, you're wrong. The local politician or mayor or prefecture, he said, you are not running a race in my prefecture in 40 degree temperatures. You're not doing it. So the race got shortened to 36 kilometers, which I would argue was a good thing. Like, what did we miss? Like, what did we miss, Benji? Are we sure all we need to see on this stage? It's like a 2K, 4% uphill finish. I don't think it being 120Ks would have changed anything about this finish. It was Movistar leading out with Norsgaard and Valverde for Max Kanter, even though Valverde is best for this finish. And Kanter got swamped by Volgren in the last 250 metres, who had uh, Rouger Adria, the Catalan, in his wheel, and Adria just destroys everyone. He honestly looked like Benji... He couldn't believe he won. He was looking around like, surely a World Tour guy is going to pass me. Yeah, just like we have all the Belgians, the talented Belgians being called the new Eddie Merckx. This man is the new Aramburu. Like, let's be honest about it. Rouge Adria just absolutely destroying everyone. Now, like, we've seen his talent over the last year. He was good at Paris Tour, for example. A bit of tactical play that didn't go all right. I think he was top 10 on move on to the Nivelle Challenge last week, if my mind serves me right. This man has talent, and he's not the only one in that team. Igor Arrieta, 19 years old, if I recall correctly. Decent, damn good climber. And he's also at this race, so we should see him on the mountain finish of this race, which I think is in the coming days. But, like... I love seeing Ken Farmer do stuff like this because those are talented youngsters and I want to see them do more in the future. Yeah, and they're going to the, the uh, Welter this year for the first time in their history, uh, which should be really good. Hopefully they can make it interesting because I think who missed out? Kaha. Anyway, we won't get into this, the politics of Spanish pro-continental teams. Uh, again, uh, relations are cool with them at the moment. Uh, tomorrow's stage, as Benji said, is uh, a mountaintop finish, but it's stepped. Quintana crashed today. He lost four minutes, and Dyer Quintana didn't wait for him. He was in the group ahead, kind of, oh, and actually, that's one to watch. That's one to watch. Those results might not be correct. He crashed, changed bikes. I'm not convinced that Nairo wasn't on Dyer's bike and that he has been given Dyer's time, and and Dyer actually lost four minutes. Uh, so I'll have to check that's correct tomorrow morning because the transponder of Dyer would have given Nairo's time, if that makes sense. Uh, but anyway, Balois of Belgium Tour is the last race of the day, 12Ks. I said Pedersen had to top three if he wants any chance of yellow in the first uh, week of the Tour de France, and he did top three. Lampart won pretty comfortably, 13.39, seven seconds out of Pedersen. Darnoul, the Neo Pro, on 10 seconds, three seconds behind his teammate Pedersen. Riesebeck fourth. Norman Hansen, fifth. Aaron Gate, sixth. I'm trying to look. Philipson lost 29 seconds. That's a poor TT, actually, um, compared to his UAE one. Pedersen keeps the leader's jersey. He's 10 seconds out of Lampard. Wellens just stayed in third. Riesbeck moves up loads. Philipson's into fifth. Uh, Maro Schmidt, a little bit worse than I expected, actually. I thought Schmidt would have cracked a top 10 in this TT. Um, but yeah, any. I find this hard to judge, honestly, Benji, without a Kung Van Aert, Ghana sort of guy here. Yeah, same story. It's difficult to pinpoint whether Lampard City is so good, whether Pedersen is uh, strong enough to win that Tour de France prologue now. We don't know that from this. But to me, it is intriguing more that we've got two topics to talk about. First of all, Lampard's form is good. Asgreen crashed in 
uh, Tour de Swiss, yes, a few days ago. Had a cut, a, a wound in his knee or something. As a consequence, he's not sure about competing in the Tour de France. Lampard is considered as a replacement, but is not sure about it. He made a whole statement that he'd love to be there and so forth in the interview, but that he'd understand if they don't select him and so forth. I wouldn't understand it. He's 100% the must replacement for Osgren, in my opinion, when it comes to the Tour de France. And he could also actually compete for a top five on the initial time trial. As simple as that. Quick steps. Tour de France shortlist looking very, very strange to me. It looks like they are... They're letting Jakobsen freelance a little bit and they're really going all in on a puncher team for the Longvi saint etienne sort of stages with Alaphilippe Honoré, Dries Davenines, Catania because that bleed out without Asgren and if they don't put in Lampart will be very, very different to the lead out last year. And I agree with Benji wholeheartedly. Lampart with the Arenberg stage, with Calais. If they oh, want yes. to reduce the group in crosswinds, even if Asgren's not in, like, frankly, I don't really understand the Catania inclusion. He'll probably go and win a stage now and be pivotal or top 10 GC, but we saw in uh, Dauphiné he can't climb at all, so I really don't think that will happen. <laughs> um, yeah, like, are you surprised by their team, the the different balancing of it? Honestly, I'm, I'm not overly, I'm not as critical, I think, as you are, per se, for the team that they've got going on, setting up for this Tour de France. But when it comes to their squad, I feel like with Merkel being in the team and so forth, they've got that lead out there. Osgrain replaced by Lampard would improve that. But who was in that train last? Who was their third man? Was it Seneschal last year? Is it that different compared Asgren. to last year? It was Alaphilippe in panic emergency mode, then Asgrain, uh-huh. Ballerini, Merkel, if I'm not mistaken. So um, Ballerini's out instead of yep. like for example Seneschal now yeah so Seneschal is that big of a difference um not really and Ballerini's form's not that good I mean I remember their Paranese lead out was I think Lampard third last man he he's a good third last man remember that one where Bennett the, the magic one where they just destroyed everyone I think Lampard yep. was in that train with Seneschal too uh so that's not a bad combo Seneschal Lampard Merku uh I'm just a bit yeah, just just surprised by the team, but maybe they got plans in those break stages. Uh, but that's all from uh, that's not all from us today. Tomorrow's a punchy stage. I'll look. I like Wellens to be aggressive. He really needs to take back some time on GC against these guys and put Philipson under pressure from Derby to Derby. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not an uphill finish, but I think Wellens, yeah, he's got to go. And Seneschal, I think, will be aggressive too. Uh, and maybe Razorback. He, I reckon yes. Razorback can win GC, Benji. Yeah, I think so as well. The likes of Mauro Schmidt could do well as well on this parkour. Axel Zangler, the uh, young French talent. <laughs> Never heard of him. Never Seven heard of him. GC, mate. He's going to clean tomorrow. He's going to clean him up. <laughs> young French talented rider on long call for this. Anyway, we're, we're getting the doldrums now. That's all from us today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks as, well, as always for supporting the show. And we'll see you with the recaps of the quadruple headers tomorrow. If they all go ahead, touch wood. Ciao. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.